We are just days away from the big presidential election in the United States, November 3rd. This is where voters go to the polls to see if the incumbent president, Donald Trump, gets reelected or if his challenger, former Vice President Joe Biden, wins the race. Uh, Similar to 2016, there are allegations that uh, electoral interference by foreign states, including Russia, China, and Iran are to be something to look into. Now, we're going to get some analysis on those allegations as well as an overall look at the U.S. race as it stands right now. We're very pleased to be joined once again from Western Michigan University Cooley Law School professor Brendan Beery on the line. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us, uh, Professor Beery. So we only have two days left uh, until Election Day. Uh, There is now a uh, clarion call being sent out, I think mostly on the Democratic side, but I think also implies to all voters, regardless of their uh, partisan leanings, that if you are planning to mail in your ballots, it's too late and you have to go and get it dropped off somehow or vote in person, whether it's early voting or uh, on election day. Uh, A lot of votes, a record number of votes have already been uh, casted so far. What is your, uh, just uh, 30,000 foot view, what is your assessment of the current situation right now as it stands in the U.S.? The the situation seems to me that it's, uh, if the if people weren't still kind of suffering from the aftershocks of 2016, um, I think people would be a lot more comfortable uh, about where where this race is. There's a lot of differences between uh, now and uh, 2016. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, one of the things people have to keep in mind is the last I checked, it was 93 million yeah. people have already voted. Um, there were only 137 million who voted in the entire uh, election in 2016. Uh, so there is a whole lot of vote that's already in. And among the vote that's already, uh, you know, uh, uh, been submitted, uh, Joe Biden has a very, very large lead, something in the order of, you know, 60 something to 30 something percent. Uh, uh, but the president has, has a lead, uh, among those who are polled who say they're going to vote on election day. The problem for the president is that it doesn't seem like there are enough voters, enough voters left, um, mm. to make up uh, for the huge, uh, deficit. Um, so, uh, you know, th- th- this is different again. I mean, the, uh, Joe Biden has a, a substantially bigger lead, uh, than Hillary Clinton did at this time in 2016. And it has been remarkably stable. Uh, and he also is in most of the polls hitting 50% or higher. And that's right. something Hillary Clinton never did. Uh, she was always kind of stuck in that mid forties range and never broke through to an abs- uh, to a clear majority. Um, so, so that's, uh, on the other hand, people are extremely nervous. You know, I'm saying from an objective standpoint, one would think uh, that, that this election is getting pretty close to out of control uh, for Donald Trump. But, mm. uh, you know, that's what, that's what people thought in 2016, too. Again, this is a different race, but the emotions of it, uh, when you uh, look at social media platforms and just discussions that people are having, that I've been having with people, uh, nobody is nobody is is ready to say that this thing is a done deal. Yeah, and a, a large part, and you point out very clearly that twenty uh, twenty is a different year than twenty sixteen, and there are a lot of different dynamics. We have an incumbent now with a track record rather than this uh, firebrand outsider uh, coming in. Uh, 
declaring that he's going to shake things up and drain the swamp and, and what have you. So a lot of people are going to be voting on the record of uh, Donald Trump and what he's accomplished or not accomplished in the four years, particularly his handling of the COVID-19 crisis. But the reason why I would say, uh, as you say, this sense of nervousness or <laughs> anxiety that still abounds despite what the polls are saying is that people remember 2016. And I know that it, events have been overshadowed by so many different scandals and outrages and all these things. But we have to remember 2016 was there was a cloud there because of the fact that uh, it, it was quite apparent Russia played a role in trying to right. uh, convince voters uh, through nefarious methods, uh, largely through social media and other means. And um, they were it. It is apparent um, uh, somewhat successful in uh, changing some voters' uh, minds as they uh, were making their decision on Trump or Hillary Clinton at the time. Uh, 2020, once again, a different year, but those concerns still remain of outside outside interference, Professor. Uh, Microsoft recently found that there was clear evidence of hacker groups in Russia, Iran, and China trying to interfere in the the election um, through various methods. It is... Can you just assess those allegations that are there actual organizations that are uh, coming in, uh, these uh, rogue hacker groups that somehow have links to to state entities? And if they were hacking the election, so to speak, and, and technically speaking, it might not be clear what that exactly entails. What are they trying to get through hacking um, the various systems here in the U.S.? Yeah, um you know, it's it's interesting that the American intelligence officials, uh, including Mr. Radcliffe, who's the director of national intelligence and FBI director Christopher Wray, um, they they have singled out um, Iran and Russia in particular uh, as having uh, access to some uh, American uh, voter information. Now, it's unclear how much of that was publicly available to begin with, uh, but clearly they have some of that information Uh and, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting question of what exactly are they trying to do? Um, we know that uh, Iran, at least if, if U.S. intelligence uh, uh, agencies are correct, Iran, it looks like, was behind this kind of a spoof email that was sent to voters uh, claiming to be from the Proud Boys, this, this right-wing mm-hmm. uh, organization, you know, group here in the United States, uh, and threatening people if they didn't vote for Donald Trump. Um, so it looks like they were trying to just upset voters uh, and, and damage, uh, you know, the credibility of the election. Um, uh, as for Russia, uh, one of the theories floating around, and uh, Senator Angus King uh, recently spoke about this, is, is uh, something called perception hacks, which is, uh, which is the idea that uh, foreign entities don't have to actually succeed in hacking into American election systems. Hmm. They just have to make it seem like they've succeeded in doing mm. that to throw the whole thing into chaos and, and to get, the, get, get Americans thinking that this uh, system can't be trusted. Um, uh, so, and I, so I think there's something to that as well. I mean, most of what I hear is that uh, American election systems, there's no question, I believe it was Illinois and Arizona uh, in the last round of elections where the uh, Russian hackers actually did access uh, um, election systems. Uh, they, there was no evidence that they changed anything, but they got in. Um, so I'm sure there's some of that going on, but there also seems to be just a lot of uh, trying to play on the sense of chaos uh, in, in the United States right now. And, that, and there certainly is that, uh, that sense uh, around so, uh, a lot of issues, including yeah. uh, the reliability of the election. Yeah. And so that 
again, very important point here is, to be clear, uh, we have not found any evidence that there is any successful or even um, semi-successful attempt to actually affect the, the vote itself, right? You, you, right? They're not able to get into right. the, uh, the, the ballot system or, or uh, get to the uh, electronical um, kind of uh, counting methods or uh, servers that would actually affect the vote totals, but they have maybe been uh, effective in the misinformation campaigns. But what you're saying is that it doesn't really matter, um, the theory goes, that if there is a perception among a broad um, percentage of the public that this election is being hacked and that things are rigged, that you, you, depending on your partisan leaning, if you're a Republican or if you're someone who supports Trump, you're going to say, oh, this, this is um, rigged against Donald Trump, and that's why Biden won. On the other hand, uh, people will say, well, this is 2016 again, and it looks like Russia is going to be successful in giving uh, Trump another four years. And so that then the problem would be uh, the, the idea that American democracy is somehow basically uh, non-existent at this time anymore. That's exactly right, because it's either side can argue that it was to their benefit. And I think you've, you've pretty well uh, laid it out there. You know, as, as far as the Iranians go, um, you know, there, there's, well, there's good reason to believe that any, any, uh, any, any country uh, in opposition to the United States right now um, would probably want Donald Trump reelected because mm. uh, what's happening to the reputation of the country internationally and the influence of the United States is so, so diminished. Um, on the other hand, um, you know, the, the Iranians certainly could be uh, reacting to the withdrawal of the United States from, from the nuclear deal and the sanctions and trying to punish Donald Trump. So you're right. I mean, so the people on the right can claim that Iran is trying to uh, help Joe Biden, and the people on the left can claim that Russia is trying to help uh, Donald Trump again. And, the, and this chaos, right, uh, this chaos is what... <laughs> is what the bad actors right, would want to see in the United States. Uh, and, and Donald Trump um, doesn't help very much in that regard because uh, sometimes he just adds to the chaos. You mentioned uh, Ratcliffe, and there was uh, a presser uh, being done uh, with uh, Christopher Ray, head of the FBI, and various other intelligence officials. And uh, Ratcliffe, I think to the consternation of a lot of people, kind of inserted last minute the, the, the thing with uh, Iran and, and the, the fact that it's hurting Trump politically. Uh, are you concerned? Because there have been other uh, former intelligence officials who have raised their voices against uh, John Ratcliffe saying that, uh, to be harsh, that he's simply just a political hack and he's completely politicizing the intelligence operations. And that, again, is problematic in and of itself. Uh, do you share those concerns? Absolutely. And in fact, I, I would say it's even broader than that. It's mm -hmm. also, it, it's, it's the intelligence community, it's the Department of Justice uh, being politicized in a way that I've never seen in my lifetime. Uh, certainly not since the Nixon administration, um, and uh, and also other institutions. You know, the um, uh, American scientists uh, who have been sidelined, uh, right, in terms of uh, the CDC and and other agencies. Uh, that's the Centers for Disease Control and other agencies uh, responsible for responding to the pandemic. There just seems to be a wholesale effort throughout the government to get rid of uh, people who are objectively uh, well qualified and who would push back. Uh, against the president and and uh, and replacing them with uh, yeah with people who have shown some allegiance uh, to Donald Trump and Ratcliffe is one and obviously Bill Barr the Attorney General is is another. When again, just going back to 2016, uh, what 
Russia and the whole role that was played by Cambridge Analytica and and what happened on Facebook with these uh, posts by these uh, fake organizations and and, uh, spreading all of this misinformation and really kind of credited with the rise of what we see now as QAnon and and all these other kind of ultra-right-wing groups in in the U.S. It was a razor-thin margin in the sense uh, in 2016 that Hillary Clinton, although she won by over two percentage points and and, and resoundingly, resoundingly had more uh, popular uh, votes. The th- the states in question, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, uh, where seventy thousand votes uh, determined the electoral margin that allowed Trump to win the presidency back then. Is, is it outside the realm of possibility that those seventy thousand votes may had been um, potentially uh, affected or influenced by that uh, disinformation campaign? No, it's not. It's not outside the realm of possibility at all. And I think. You've hit on the the bigger danger than the hacking, although that's certainly a a danger, Mm -hmm. is the the influence uh, campaign, right? The social media uh, influence campaign. And one of the things that makes the United States peculiarly vulnerable to an attack like that is the Electoral College. That's what you were just getting at there. There, uh, You know, if if you're a a Russian uh, influence operation, you don't worry about New York and California. Those are are not going to vote for Donald Trump. (laughs) So... (laughs) You don't have to expend resources uh, throughout the entire United States. You can really pinpoint uh, where you need to expend resources to to sway people's thinking. And you just named uh, some of those states, right? Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Arizona, uh, right? Uh, if I'm targeting uh, those areas, and, and frankly, um, you know, I mean, it's it's. I think it goes without saying uh, that uh, if you're if you're going to try to do an influence campaign in a a state like California or New York, you're probably dealing there with more urban populations, more people with college degrees, uh, less less susceptible uh, to that kind of a thing. Whereas if you're targeting rural areas, and I don't mean to be just talking down right about people Mm -hmm. who live in rural areas, but if you're in a rural area where you have people, uh, fewer people with college degrees, less people paying attention uh, to uh, world events, those are easier places um, to, to do that kind of thing. And there's no question that they're doing it. Um, and uh, and I, do, I do fear. I think the margins this time, particularly, I should say, Wisconsin and Michigan look like they're off the table for yeah. Donald Trump. He won them both uh, last time, and it just doesn't look like that's going to happen again. But someplace like Pennsylvania, where you still and maybe a five or six point you know, uh, uh, polling lead, uh, you have to worry about that. And the... Uh concern that a lot of Trump critics have is that it's not just about the 2016 race or even the 2020 race. It's just how uh, these elections will be held going forward uh, and where the uh, commander-in-chief of the United States is incumbent on them to, regardless of whether it helped you politically or not, is to to make sure that the message is sent loud and clear, not just to the American public, but to the international community, that Outside interference into an, a U.S. election is just simply not going to be tolerated, and there will be consequences going forward. Um, I, I don't know if it's damning with silence, but Trump has really been uh, very reluctant to to be aggressive in condemning these uh, attempts at uh, election interference. In fact, he's called things like the Russia hoax. Uh, it seems too simplistic to think, well, because it helps him politically, he's just not going to uh, make much hay out of 
the situation. There does seem to be a link to talk uh, about China as a nefarious actor, and I guess it's that uh, sort of ongoing unsuccessful attempt to try to link Biden with with somehow some some corruption in China. But is it really as simple as perhaps Trump feels, well, this helps him politically, that uh, he doesn't really have to uh, make this uh, as big a deal as possible? Um, I think it's it's a mix of politics and psychology. I I, I think it is too simple to say, well, he just wants foreign uh, help because it helps him uh, politically. I think he is extremely insecure, um, well, in in general, and and in particular about what happened in 2016. He he wants very badly to be seen as a legitimate president and not somebody who's there because Mm -hmm. the Russians helped him or because... Or because, for that matter, uh, Jim Comey right came out eleven days before the election right, right. and announced an investi- more investigation into you know, he doesn't want to believe and he doesn't want anybody else to believe um, that he got where he is with anybody else's right because of anybody else's uh, help. Um, uh, but you know he also has said, uh, and and I guess it's it's worth uh, you know uh, pointing this out. Uh, he has publicly made statements indicating that he's open to help uh, from wherever he can get it. And mm. uh, you know, Mitch McConnell is another one um, who's who's a bit to blame for this, because when President Obama went to Mitch McConnell, the, the Senate uh, Republican leader, in 2016 and said, we're under attack um, and we have to we have to make this known, Mitch McConnell said, if you do that, um, I will. Uh, I will not be with you, and yeah. I will. Uh, I'll scream from the rooftops that you're making this partisan, uh, and that that really tamped down our response. Uh, so we we didn't have any kind of bipartisan uh, pushback against it in 2016, and I'm not seeing any bipartisan pushback against it uh, this year either. As you said, 93 million votes at last count have already been casted. It. With with what less less than seventy two hours to go until the actual uh, election day, uh, we talk about October surprises, maybe even this uh, early November surprise. It doesn't seem like anything here, even a Comey letter type of event or Access Hollywood tape type of event, is going to be able to change the dyma- dynamics of this uh, race. Uh, the polling, if you believe the polling, has been remarkably stable, as you've said. Uh, it doesn't seem like even if there is a polling a- error to the extent of what occurred in 2016, and that was really more uh, with the battleground states, specifically not just with the uh, overall national vote, that there doesn't seem to be a lot of wiggle room here now for for anything to change. And so that would make, again, a re-election of Trump this time around even more shocking and I think a little bit more uh, pressing as to the questions of the viability of American democracy, no? Yes, uh, there's no question about it. I mean, there's there's a certain zeitgeist, you know, in, in the air. I mean, it's uh, it feels like uh, a lot of young people are voting. A lot of new uh, new voters are coming out. Uh, the numbers, the, even in Texas, the number of people who have voted and new voters who have voted, something is happening, right. um, and it that doesn't feel like it's favorable to Donald Trump. Um, and as and as you say, uh, Joe Biden at this point has such a lead built in from the 93 million vote people who have already voted. That we just don't know that there are enough voters left to make up for that. One final question then, because of what you said, um, so many of Joe Biden's voters have already voted and he has such a big lead. Uh, that is the assumption with those 93 million votes that have been cast. However, on election day, especially if you see the totals coming in from Pennsylvania and Florida and some of these other states, if 
Trump is ahead on those votes if we assume that a lot of the on-the-day on voting people are going to be more pro-Trump. Uh, there seems to be some indication from the Trump side that they're going to declare victory before all those votes are cast and then try to cast the remaining votes as somehow being fraudulent or not legitimate, which, again, kind of goes against the entire kind of principle of American democracy where you you count all the votes. It doesn't mean that they're all voted, uh, counted on election day. That is going to be another huge potential crisis, is it not? It absolutely is. And and everybody who's watching the election on election night has to really be clear um, that it is entirely possible that, you know, by by midnight Eastern time here in the United States, uh, that it looks like Donald Trump is ahead in Pennsylvania by 10. Right. And he will declare victory, and it's not, and it's a mirage, um, because Pennsylvania doesn't start doesn't start counting their mail-in votes until election day. So they're going to be counting those votes uh, for, for what, what I'm hearing is for a couple of days. Um, on the other hand, states like Florida and uh, North Carolina would probably come in pretty quickly because mm. they've already been counting. Um, and if if Donald Trump, that's what I would say to look for. If Donald Trump loses North Carolina or Florida on election night. There's, there's almost no way to come back from that. Yeah, so the electoral math would not work in his favor, uh, especially, as you say, uh, Florida is already counting their, their mail-in and absentee voting, so they'll have those totals right. early on. And if it's a f- pretty decisive uh, Biden victory there, there's really kind of almost uh, zero paths to victory for Trump. And so uh, he could rely on the courts or not. But uh, at the end of the day, even right. the Supreme Court, with its partisan leanings, is probably not going to go out on a limb uh, with a, uh, let's say, eight hypothetical eight-point Biden lead and, and just say that uh, right. <laughs> the election goes to Trump. So something to, I guess, put our, our, our listeners' ease at mind. Professor Barry, uh, as always, a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for your insights. And uh, hopefully we can talk again soon, whether after the election or in the future. Sounds good. I look forward to it. That was Professor Brendan Barry from Western Michigan University's Cooley Law School. We'll be back after another check of traffic and weather.